For the last 15 years, I've spent thousands of hours watching myself and others fish on videos, and I've learned a lot along the way. We're going to talk about that and more on this episode of Fishful Thinker, the podcast. I'm Chad Lachance, and you're listening to Fishful Thinker, the podcast. All things fishful, all the time. Hey guys, Chad Lachance here. Thanks so much for tuning in yet again to this episode of Fishful Thinker, the podcast. I appreciate it very much. It's, of course, brought to you by Sportsman's Warehouse, the fine folks at sportsmans.com. Check out the brick and mortars if there's one in your area, or check them out online. Like I said, sportsmans.com. They've been the promotional partner of all things Fishful Thinker since day one and uh, very important to all the content we generate, whether it be here on television, on YouTube, or wherever you happen to take in Fishful Thinker. Also like to thank Peterson Toyota these days. Got a new Toyota Tundra we're working with, getting that thing set up and uh, everything's go well. Peterson Toyota in Fort Collins, Colorado. The guys at Bullhead 4x4 are working on that too. So, it's April, it's fishing time, it's time to get out there. And what does that mean? Everybody's rusty. If you're in the, a northern or western angler, even if you've been ice fishing all winter, you're still rusty. And it occurred to me that I always don't fish very well the first day or two out. And I thought, you know what, let's talk about why, how that is, why that is, and more importantly, how I've come to establish that. And Long story short, it goes like this, guys. Fishful Thinker was, uh, the television show was announced in January of 08 that we were going to launch on television in January of 09. So that meant we spent all of the year of, of 2008 traveling around, filming, fishing in my region, all kinds of fishing. Um, you know, we had a great time doing it and I learned a lot. And from then on, I realized, literally from that first year on, when we started editing, I realized the value of studying myself and our show guests on the raw video. Because what I realized very quickly, by the time we were done editing, maybe halfway through the first 13 show season of Fishful Thinker, I realized that, holy crap, I can see why that guy, or this guy as the case might be, is not catching fish or conversely i can see why that guy is fishing circles around me in the boat when i really didn't understand it at the time in the boat because when you're in the boat with somebody you aren't necessarily really studying what they're doing right you're trying to catch fish yourself and that means you're focused on what you're doing but what i realized when i watched raw video and again this is raw video not edited video and so to back up a little bit when we go shoot a television show, it might be the TV show is 22 minutes and 30 seconds, right? So when you back out the uh, opens and the closes and the commercial bumps and all that, uh, you're really talking about 20 minutes for an actual 30-minute television show, 20 minutes of actual you know, content that, that you as a viewer will take in. And, and like I said, that doesn't include the, the open music and the closing credits and all that. So in that 20 minutes that really ends up being something like somewhere between 90 minutes and about four hours uh, whittled down. And we try very hard to keep all of our raw video to somewhere around the two and a half to four hour mark, if at all possible, at the most. And some of our shows have been done as little as 90 minutes of raw video. Now, it might still take you know, four hours of fishing to get 90 minutes of raw video, but the video really contains the, the nuts and bolts or the meat and potatoes of the day's fishing. Well, all that stuff that gets edited out and, and ends up on the office floor, so to speak, 
still contains lessons. And in fact, that's a lot of the stuff that we put on our YouTube channel is like, hey, here's, here's stuff that wasn't quite good enough to make the 22-minute highlight reel that is a television show. But it is good enough that it's got lessons in it, and therefore I will use it. I'm not using it because it's filler. I'm using it because it has lessons in it that are lost if I don't use it. Conversely, as the guy that edits all of it, I don't lose those lessons. I watch it, and I am by far my own worst critic all the time, as far as particularly my angling. When I'm watching myself angle, when I'm watching myself fish, and you will drive yourself crazy watching yourself fish. Let me just be clear about that. I, I It sounds narcissistic or something to say that you've watched yourself fish for that much, but that's the only way to edit the video. And I work with a with another person on the editing by the name of Melissa Rosner uh, in, in All Terrain Studios. And she and I together have edited everything that you've ever seen from Fishful Thinker in terms of, of videos. And she doesn't fish at all. Melissa doesn't fish at all. But she knows the book side of fishing really, really well. She can talk a good game. I can tell you that. She spent 15 years studying fishing without actually going fishing. So she can talk the game, but she can't actually do the game. Conversely, she can, at this point, look at video and tell me that I'm not fishing well and be able to see it and see why. And so I thought, you know what, let's, let's go through some of that and talk about some of the things that I'll notice right away. Uh, on video, even if you, you could show me one or two clips of me and I could tell you whether I was fishing well or not. And the same thing with guests. I can, you can show me just two or three or four clips of a, of a guest that may or may not have ever been a guest on the show before. And I can tell you if they're in the hunt or not in a lot of cases or how strong they are at, at the type of angling that we're doing. And it comes down to a bunch of different things that over 15 years I figured out are consistent. So let's talk about some of them. Some of them are physical attributes. Uh, some of them are mental attributes where I hear myself say something or, um, you know, or see some behavior that I recognize is not right. And, uh, and it's one thing to recognize it in hindsight. It's another thing to correct it every time you're on the water. But I think it's an excellent way to study. And I think also it's the same reason that tennis players study video of themselves. Golfers study their golf swing on film. Uh, you know, pool players study all of that. Football players watch, watch film constantly. And the reason is that's how you learn. So let's talk about some of the things we've seen when I know I'm fishing well and when I'm not. Um, and conversely, what I've seen out of other people. And one of them, let's start off with some simple stuff. One of them being a physical or physical attributes in general. Okay. The first thing I think of right away is when I'm casting well. When I'm casting well, and casting accuracy and line control will catch you more fish than everything else, unless you're a troller, at which point even that's off because line control counts. But unless you're a troller, if you're casting an artificial bait, then you're a large part of in control of what's going on here. And casting accuracy and with control and with consistency is sounds easy and looks easy, and I practice it all the time, and I still mess it up all the time. So the first thing I notice is if I'm not following through with casts, that's a really classic example of, hey, I'm not casting accurate, I can tell you, because I'm not following through. I'm stopping the bat, so to speak, if I'm a batter, uh, rather than swinging through, or I'm, or I'm checking up on my, on, the, my, on my follow through on my golf swing. When I'm doing that, my accuracy goes out the door. It also means I'm, I'm fishing tight. I can see that, meaning that 
I'm not being free with the rod. I'm not letting the rod and reel float in my hand and being real free with it and letting it follow through and behave naturally in my hand. When that when that rod is dead looking and, and when I'm looking at it and watching myself fish and I'm stopping my casts at the top rather than following through uh, or I'm not really letting the rod move around freely, I can tell that I'm fishing tight. And usually that's a sign for me then I'm being gun shy or I'm being nervous, which means something in my presentation is not quite right. And I can see other guys do the same thing. After I've watched somebody fish for a few minutes, I can tell you pretty quick if they're fishing loose or tight. And if I'm fishing loose, I catch all kinds of fish. If I'm fishing by the, the seat of my pants and I'm casting as naturally as I, as I can without even thinking about it, particularly if I'm doing something like roll casting or underhand pitching, I'm making a good follow through where I'm not closing the bale, bait's not hitting the water until the rod's followed all the way through, then I'm fishing well. That's one of the things that is an easy thing for me to spot with a physical thing right off the bat, uh, is that I'm really, uh, really letting the rod do all the work and following through and fishing loosely and the rod's moving around in my hand a lot and the tip of the rod's moving around a lot and that just means your whole situation is lively. You're not gripping anything which is killing your sensitivity and, and fatiguing you and killing your castability. Um, just being loose with the rod is, is a really key thing and I see that right away and normally that's the first thing I spot early in the season when I haven't been out Typically, a classic one's the first time I hit a, a good pitching or flipping bite for bass where I'm pitching underhand with a casting rod. I, I won't follow through with the rod. The rod will end up being almost horizontal at the end of a pitch or maybe 45 degrees up at the end of a pitch versus being upright to where I can follow the bait down. Big difference. By the time I've been doing that for a day and a half, all of a sudden my rod's in the right position all the time. Even though I've been doing it for 40 years, it's still becomes a, it's not a second nature as I'd like it to be after a big long winter, let's just put it that way. So just being loose with the rod and the reel and how you're handling it and how you're casting and following through is a really, really important one. So that's one. Another one I'll see right away, if I'm really watching my line, if when, when all the video, when you watch 15 minute raw clip of me trying to pull bass out of some whatever, or walleyes off of some drop off or whatever it might be, trout in a run somewhere that I'm really trying to work this run out. When I'm really focused on watching my line, I'm catching fish and fishing well. When I'm not, when I'm looking ahead at my next cast or I'm looking behind at the pretty bird that caught my attention or I'm, uh, you know, whatever it might be, I'm not focused on the line, then I know right away that I'm not fishing well. And I can, when I say I know that right away, I know it in hindsight watching the video. And I can pretty much guarantee you that I'm not gonna catch a whole bunch of fish. If I'm fishing well, or you're fishing well, or my guests are fishing well, they are focused on their line. That doesn't necessarily mean they're not talking to the camera, but they're looking at their line the whole time. And that's the single biggest reason why I wear coastal sunglasses. It's not because I can see in the water. It's not because they're stylish or blah, blah, blah. It's because they allow me, as good or better than any sunglass you can buy, to see my line on the surface of the water very important to be able to do that. And when I concentrate on that, I catch a lot of fish. Doesn't matter if I'm drifting a fly or fishing a jig for, for you know, walleyes deep or I'm pitching bushes for bass and no water at all. If I'm a good line watcher, I catch more fish. That can be very, very important. 
Another thing I know when I'm not fishing well is when I get in a flurry of changing lures, at which point I'm scrambling and I'm looking for a magic bait. And when I say a flurry, I don't mean change. I mean, changing lures isn't bad in and of itself. Sometimes that means you're fishing well. But when I change it and I put a lure on, I fish three casts and I take it off and I pick another one up and I throw it, and particularly if they're not of the same genre, I know I'm not fishing well. Basically, that means I'm scrambling instead of settling in and focused on fundamentals. And when you focus on fundamentals, you catch a lot of fish. When you try to trick yourself or out-trick the fish or thinking there's a magic lure, you are not going to catch nearly the number of fish. And I see that in myself a lot. So if I watch a five-minute video clip and I change lures three times, I can tell you right now I'm not in the hunt. There is one exception to that, though, and that one might be that I'm really in the hunt. And let me tell you, let me give you that example. That example is if I've changed lures three or four times within the same genre of lure, because then I know I'm on the right genre and I'm looking for the one that gives me the right feel and confidence. So let's say a good example was a, a show we filmed a while back, fishing spinnerbaits for bass, okay? The spinnerbait I had on was working too slow. My vibe was telling me this bait's too slow. If I work it faster, it's come to the surface. If I work it slow, it's not getting bit. The fish weren't up near the surface. I already knew that most of our bites were deep. And the spinnerbait was the right choice. And I say deep, they were four, four or five feet. Not real deep, but not on the surface. I started rotating through spinnerbaits in the span of like two casts and pick another one, cut it off, put another one on. Two casts. Cut it off, put another one on. I was looking for, over the course of about four or five baits in a row, finally camera guy Tim Farnsworth is like, dude, you are really focused on that spinnerbait. And my comment on film was, yeah, but when I find the right one, it's going to be game over. Well, about two changes after that, I found the right one and proceeded to smash the bass for the next two hours because I found the one that at the right speed and the right depth gave me the right vibe, that gave me the right confidence, and... The fish tuned in on it, and it was game over. Prior to that, they were too fast or too slow or too heavy or too bright. I just couldn't find the one I wanted. But the reason that's important is this. I knew the spinnerbait was the right choice. I was focused on that. I knew it was the right choice. I knew I just needed to fine-tune. That is fundamentally different than going from a spinnerbait to a bladed jig to a swim jig to a swim bait trying to find what they'll bite. That means you're reaching. That means you're all over the place. You're trying different baits. You don't, you don't really know. You're not tuned in. I was tuned in. The spinnerbait was the right choice. It's just that I didn't have the right spinnerbait until I rotated. I think off the top of my head, I want to say I rotated four or five spinnerbaits in a matter of minutes. And then I got the right one. I'm like, oh, this is the right one on film. This one feels right. Wham! And next thing you know, I'm loading the boat with fish. So that's really, really, really important. Another thing I'll know uh, when I'm not fishing well, or conversely, when I am fishing well, when I'm fishing well and with confidence, I'm not. When I'm fishing good and I'm fishing well and I'm fishing with confidence, and I, particularly if I'm fishing some kind of cover or structure, some kind of very tight pattern, something where I know what I need to be doing. The, uh, the more dialed on that I get, the more detailed on that I get, the more I'll make multiple presentations to the same spot. When I see myself throwing one time to a log, one time to a bush, one time to the bank, one time to a whatever, I'm reaching, I'm trying to find fish. And if I have caught no fish, well, maybe that's a required thing. But if I have caught some and then I catch myself doing that, 
I'm not focused on the pattern. And most of the time, if you've got a pattern and that pattern is even decent, if you really dial in and focus on it, you'll churn out more fish. And that a lot of times means many presentations to the same spot. I can be on a, and we're not talking about all these visible spots. I mean, it could be a smallmouth, a hump on my home lake loaded with smallmouth. When I'm willing to milk that thing for the last few bites is when I know that I'm dialed into fish and I'm confident and I'm fishing well. But when I'm panicking and when I want to leave because I've gone three casts without a bite, eh, probably not. And when I'm throwing on a hump for a minute and then I'm throwing at a point and then I'm throwing at a, you know, some other gravel ridge, well, then I'm not focused on my pattern, which means either I don't have a good pattern or I'm not exploiting the one I have to its maximum degree, and that, that can be a really key thing as well. Another one, and this is the one that my editor notices the most, is the condition change will happen, and it will take me five or 10 minutes to make a change to go with that. A classic one of this is, is wind. It's calm, calm, calm. You're catching fish good. Wind blows up, you go 20 minutes without catching a fish. Reality is, as soon as the wind came up, I should have put Got, down, got rid of the lure I was throwing and got something more appropriate for the wind. And obviously there's some chances where I'm throwing a lure that is appropriate for the wind, at which point, good for me, yeah, yeah. But when you film as much as we do and fish as much as we do, a lot of the time when the wind comes up, there's going to be a definite change in how the fish either bite or what they'll bite or where they'll bite. And the quicker I react to that, the quicker my catching gets right back in line. And that's a very good one. The, another example along the same lines is uh, cloud cover. It's bright and sunny. It's 10 o'clock in the morning. It's that lull out. It's bright and sunny and calm. And then out of nowhere, those afternoons, clouds come. As soon as that cloud cover hits, at very least, I'm going to be making a color change if I'm fishing well. And it may also be, I may move shallow right away because now the light's gotten softer on the water and fish will move up, but I'll make a change for the water or for the, the condition immediately, not 10, 15 minutes later. Because if there's, let's say there's four condition changes over the course of the day, one of them being cloud cover, one of them being wind, maybe one of them being sunrise, maybe they're before sunrise and then the sun comes up, maybe one of them is no boat traffic and now 9.30 in the morning boat traffic everywhere. Those are all fundamental condition changes. The quicker you change with those, most of the time, 90% of the time, the faster you're going to be around catching more fish. And when I see myself, when I see the sun goes over, goes behind cloud cover, and 10 minutes of raw video later, I still haven't changed anything. Both my editor and myself will be like, hey, what were you thinking? Why didn't you, why didn't you make that change? If you went, you went those 10 minutes, you didn't catch anything. Why didn't you change? And some of you out there are going to go, well, you can't change for every 10 minutes of non-catching. Well, yes, you can. Actually, you can. And you should, in my opinion. Um, unless you're just sitting on the bank with bait out there waiting for a fish to come to you. If you're throwing artificial lures or you're moving around and you're actively fishing... I won't go more than 10 minutes without changing something. If I don't get some feedback, I'm doing something wrong. I have low tolerance for not catching fish. So I will make changes right away. And if it takes me 10 or 15 minutes to make a requisite change, then I'm too slow. And if that's four times over the course of the day, I lost an hour of fishing time fishing with an inappropriate bait or an inappropriate place. And that is not acceptable. I want to catch fish all day long. So... I want to make the change. And, you know, a classic one would be, well, okay, it's high bright sun, and I've been fishing this 
chrome or this translucent lure, one or the other, which incidentally are the only two colors I recommend in, in really bright sunny conditions, particularly in clear water, either a chrome bait or a translucent bait. Well, now all of a sudden the overcast, the clouds came over the hill and it's overcast. Well, that chrome bait disappears in the water and the translucent bait disappears in the water. Now I need to go to a solid color. So if it takes me 10 or 15 casts to recognize that I need to switch to a bone colored bait or a, you know something with a little chartreuse on it, something with, with a little more op opacity to it, then I'm too slow. I need to do that quicker. I need to make those changes faster. And when I see myself on video waste 10 or 15 minutes of time, I hate that because it's the camera guy's time got wasted, my time in the boat got wasted, the editor's time got wasted, all the video got wasted, and it makes no sense. So after 330 episodes, when I see that cloud cover come over, I literally need to set the rod down, pick another rod up, or tie something else on the rod I have, whatever it might be, and make a change for the conditions. The same thing with boat traffic, mud lines, wind, as we already discussed, anything like that. I need to change as quickly as possible. And the more I do that, the better off I am uh, in terms of staying on top of my fish or, or figuring out my fish. Uh, another thing that I'll catch myself doing or not doing is I will fish memories. Well, man, we caught them really good here this morning. Well, that's fine, but this morning is six hours ago. And six hours when you're a fish and you only live six, you know, 10 years, or whatever, well, that's a lot different than six hours to a human who lives 75 years. So that's a big difference in over the course of a day, my conditions, my stuff might change. And fishing memories of where I caught them this morning or where they were three hours ago uh, is not a good strategy. You need to fish with an open mind. I might go back and visit a spot three times over the course of a day, but I'm not going to give it a half an hour each time. I'm going to give it a few minutes, see if there's active fish, and I'm going to go about my business. So that can be really important. The last one is that I want to throw out as far as making an immediate change. And this one I'm really noticing when I film with guys who aren't used to having it. Forward-facing or live sonar. In my case, it's Lowrance Active Target. You can see fish on it a lot. And you can see how they look at your bait. And I am convinced, I have been convinced repeatedly that oh, I can get these fish to bite. Well, if those fish haven't bit in 10 or 15 minutes and they're still sticking with you, you're just entertaining fish. You're not you're not going to catch them. They're not suddenly going to decide to bite. They're, they're humored by what you're doing in the same way that a dog will chase a laser beam on the ground or a tennis ball all day long. Uh, they're curious fish. they got nothing better to do, right? So, you know, I see a whole bunch of smallmouth on a graph. I can drop drop shots and jigs and all this stuff on them, and they're looking at that thing. You watch them follow it down. If they don't bite it in the first five minutes or so, they're not going to bite it in the next five minutes either. Go find other fish. It's hard to do that because another, you know, uh, key thing of mine is never leave fish to find fish. Well, that's only if you can actually catch the fish you've already found. And what I'm finding with Active Target is there's a lot of fish that aren't going to bite. I don't care how much time you put into them. They're not going to bite. And I've had that discussion with a lot of high-end bass pros and walleye guys, guys that fish strictly competition for a living, they say the same thing. You get you get suckered into trying to catch fish you can see instead of having the confidence to realize that in the old days of you know 2018, when you didn't have that, you wouldn't stay that long because you'd fish, you wouldn't get any bites, and you would leave. Well, now, because you can see them, you know they're there, well, now you don't leave. And now you're fishing with a closed mind, and you're letting the fish dictate to you 
um, some things that aren't correct, so to speak. And it's because you have too much data for your own good. And I have been guilty of that to the nth degree since we got active target because I'm like, I know I can get these ones to bite. I know I can. Guess what? High percentage of the time, you can't, or at least I can't. And if you know something, chat at fishfulthinker.com. I'd love to hear it. But I see a lot of fish that won't bite. So these days, one of the things I've had to learn to do is leave a group of fish that are clearly interested in what I'm doing. They'll follow a jerkbait all the way to the boat every time. They'll swarm around a jock drop shot and look at it the whole time. They'll follow my goat minnow up and down and up and down and up and down. They'll follow my crankbait but they aren't biting. They're not going to bite. I hate to tell you that, but it took me a full year of fishing to figure out that, hey, there's a lot of places where there's fish that you didn't know there was fish before, that you know they're there now, but they're not going to bite. And that's important. Uh, And so I need to recognize that, hey, a few minutes in, I've gotten 15 follows in, in, in 20 casts. I'm not going to catch one. I need to go find fish that are more willing or or conversely, I need to make some change. And one of the things I've learned, and I'm going, to, I'm going to cut this podcast a little bit short, but I'm going to throw this one out there. Just back off your spot a little bit. I used to think that you could pick up, get sit right on top of a hump that was 20 feet deep and fish didn't care. And that is absolutely not the case. I know that now 100%. There are a lot of times where they are going to care that your boat is there, even when they're 20 feet down, particularly if your trolling motor's running. If you can just strip anchor uh, or something, maybe not. In fact, they'll probably be attracted to your boat. But if your boat's Trolling motor is running and you're sitting over a spot, they might very well care that you're there. But the easy way to catch those fish is to get a cast length off of the spot, now spot lock there or whatever you got to do to hold your boat there and throw back to them and now they will bite because now they don't have a 3,000 pound boat sitting on top of them and they'll bite. Or maybe that group of fish just isn't going to bite at all and you need to go somewhere else on the lake and find a different group of fish. But it may be that you're too close to them to get them to bite. I've noticed also consistently on with the active target, then I watch myself on video, and I'm approaching cover too fast. Fish don't want to bite, particularly if it's calm out. So big willow bushes. I've had great success pitching willow bushes all around the western United States. But what I've learned with active target is if I get too quickly moving on that bush, moving the boat up to it, they will leave before I get within range to pitch at it. So if you're running into that a bunch, what I've what I've learned from watching myself on video is that just stay back. Make a long cast with something like a soft jerk bait that's completely unweighted, a gulp jerk shad or something like that that's unweighted or maybe lightly weighted, fully Texas rigged, and make long throws to the fringes of those bushes first. I would have told you 10 years ago that, no, no, you want to sneak up on the bush and throw right in the heart of it. Okay, that's fine. What I know now from, from having active target is I'm 40 feet out. I'm, I'm facing my forward-facing sonar at that, and I get to about the 30-foot mark, and the fish that's sitting in the heart of that cover leaves. Well, okay, you're not going to catch him if he leaves. So better to stay back before he leaves and make a long throw, and you've got to hook him before you can lose him. I'd rather make a long hail Mary with something that's extremely weedless into the cover and see if I can get that big one to bite before the boat gets close to him. And I think that's even more important as more and more fishing pressure piles on these days. The fish are tuned in to sonars. They're tuned in particularly to trolling motors and the, and the amount of water your boat displaces. And, and a five-pound bass sitting in a bush, 
in particularly in an area that gets fished very much, all of those things are clues to him that something ugly is going to happen. There's a 3,000-pound bow with that little whirling motor on the front of it. And, it, yeah, something bad happens when he gets too close to this bush. But when he's way out there, nothing ever bad happens. So I've learned from watching myself go four or five bushes in a row without catching them, and I realize that I'm moving the boat hard and fast up against the bushes. If I really believe they're in the bushes and I really believe I need to be close to the bushes, I need to spend an extra minute, minute and a half, two minutes, being very quiet, getting up to that bush, and and maybe be very, very diligent about those first couple of pitches, being quiet, and then I can catch some fish. But until I watched myself do that on TV, I did not, or on raw video, I did not realize that. Another thing I'll notice real quick with guests, a couple of things I noticed with guests, um, and I really, I'm cognizant of it even in the boat. When a guy is halfway through the cast he's in, or less than halfway through the cast he's in, and he's already spotting his next cast, he is not fishing with confidence. He's going through the motions. And if you don't believe in the cast you've got in the water right now, then just get it out of the water and go somewhere else. Go do something else. But don't milk that cast back for the next 45 seconds while you're thinking about your next cast because you're not tuned into it anyway. And I see that a lot with guys in the boat. Um, that's a common one. And I'll also, the other thing I see with guys is the conditions say this, so I'm doing this. In other words, closed-minded. Uh, that's never a good scenario. Uh, you got to fish the conditions. You really do. But it's these are fish, and they are not pure, hard science, and you have to keep that in mind. So fishing with an open mind, when I see myself fishing closed-minded or I see a guest doing it, I know we're not in the hunt. The more I fly by the seat of my pants, the more I'm able to make changes and quick about making changes, the more I'm focused on my line, um, the more I'm focused on, on my presentations, just letting them behave naturally and, and really swinging the rod around, the more fish I catch. So hopefully those things will help you out. Um, to be honest with you, you really want to help yourself be a fisherman, put a GoPro in your boat, and then watch the raw video and be humble about it. Watch when you're fishing well. When I notice myself missing hook sets, I can almost always pick out the mechanics that's causing me that problem. Uh, by watching the video, almost always. Like I can miss two or three hook sets or four hook sets in a day and I'll be grumpy at the end of the day. And then I go back and watch the raw video and I can tell you why I missed the hook sets. And that gives you something to work on the next time you're out there. So get yourself a GoPro or a camera or a mount for your phone or whatever you gotta do. Watch the video, watch it raw, watch it with a, with a big tablespoon of humility, and you might find out that you can learn a whole bunch about your fishing. It certainly has helped me a lot. I'm an infinitely better angler now from having filmed television uh, for the last 15 years than I was back then. And it's not just the pure experience, but it's the studying of myself and the others around me while we're doing it that made the difference. So, Guys, that's what I wanted to talk about today. If you would join the conversation on Facebook or Instagram, I'd appreciate that very much, or TikTok at Fishful Thinker. Of course, our YouTube channel at Fishful Thinker, we, we put a lot of love into our YouTube channel. We're really trying to build that up. We're up to three or four videos a week there. Uh, lots of content there, and it's all education-based, so check that out. And we also hope you'll see what we're up to on Altitude Sports Entertainment or World Fishing Network. We've been on both those networks for a long time. If you have access to them, we'd appreciate that very much. So otherwise, get out, go fishing. It's spring. We hope you go catch some fish. So this has been Fishful Thinker, the podcast. <laughs>